Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Strong with Julie podcast. It's been a week. I haven't talked to you guys since last Tuesday and since then your girl has been struggling with some health issues. I ended up getting empatigo, which is this disgusting skin rash from my three-year-old cousin. Um, It's fine, I forgive her. And basically, it's really common in babies. She must have caught it in her daycare. And then I got it. I went on antibiotics for it. And I thought I was having a really bad reaction to the antibiotics because your girl was spending lots of time in the bathroom, TMI. And then I went back to the doctors and turns out I had the stomach bug too, which has been going around. So I had empatigo and the stomach bug all last week absolutely disgusting but we are better now I don't even want to talk about it I took five days off from the gym and I just started going back yesterday and geez it's crazy how once you get out of your routine for a little bit it's hard to pick back up like I walked into the gym and I was kind of nervous I was like I don't know how much I should be lifting right now so I took it really easy I kind of just halved all my weights that I was using previously and just went through the motions because my body's still adjusting to you know being able to move again and not being bedridden from the stomach bug Um, but yeah so it's normal to have your gym confidence and anxiety ebb and flow it's really normal and I still get it and I've been training for like five years but today I went back and you just got to keep going back you just got to keep showing up and I know by probably tomorrow or the next day I'll feel back in my groove again and I'm just not trying to beat myself up over it because I needed to allow my body to fully heal. If I went too soon, I could have gotten worse. So if you are in the same boat and you're feeling sick, just know it's important to give yourself some rest. And besides that, I do have another life update that only the podcast listeners get to know. I think your girl is moving and I think it's official that it's going to be to Florida. And I believe it will be in August I don't want to announce it yet because it's not completely set in stone, but I am so excited. I'm already looking at apartments. I have a Pinterest board of living rooms and kitchen designs and bedrooms that I want. I would be living alone, um, and I'm really excited. I'm nervous. I'm definitely nervous, but I think this will be good for me. It would just be a year's lease, and you know, if I hate it, I'll come home to Connecticut and if I love it maybe I'll stay maybe I would want if I like living alone but I want to go somewhere else I can do that too I just feel like graduation is May 22nd and this date May 22nd is making me so nervous because like oh I need to have my life together but I really don't And if you're in the same boat, you really don't either. I think this is the time to just try a bunch of new things and see what you like and ditch what you don't. So this is just something that I'm going to see if I like, okay? So don't tell anyone. This is a secret, okay? And this week's episode is with... Lauren Cunningham. She is a holistic nutritionist and guys, her story is insane. This girl has been through so much. She is one tough cookie and I am super excited to share her story with you guys and allow her to speak on it as well. We go all over the place so she brings us through her story some tips and tricks if anyone's ever struggled with Crohn's disease we touched on that as well and we do like full days of eating holistic nutrition version and yeah it's a really fun episode and then the question of the week is a little bit later but it's basically about our night routines I think last week we touched on morning routines and then or maybe that was two weeks ago I don't even remember 
And then obviously the two favorites at the end of the episode. So stick around. I'm excited for you guys to hear her story. And I'm super excited to share this potential life change moment with you guys. I'm really excited, but I'm nervous. If anyone like post-graduation went and lived on their own in a new city, in a new state, DM me on the Strong with Julia podcast Instagram and tell me about your experience because I need to know. I need comfort in my decision. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of seeing it as freshman year of adulting. Like I have one year in Florida, see if I like it. If I don't, I can, you know, transfer schools. I'm putting quotation marks, but basically go somewhere else. So freshman year of adulting will be commencing in August. Now, with that being said, enjoy this week's episode with Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the Strong with Julie podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Can you give us a little introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm Lauren, and I live in Tennessee, and I am a holistic health coach and recipe developer. Awesome. So Lauren has been through a lot. She and I got had a bit of a conversation last week, and she told me about her story, and I really wanted to have her on the podcast because I think it will touch many of you. So Lauren, can you go back five, six years ago? Is that when you were first diagnosed, right? And yeah. yeah. And walk us through your story. Yeah, of course. So I started in high school. This was like 2015 was my senior year of high school. And so that's kind of when everything started, all of the health problems. Um, I had actually been sick for like three years before that, and they just didn't really know what was wrong with me. I wasn't really exhibiting symptoms that were like going with a certain disease or ailment. And so it was really hard to diagnose me. But finally, my senior year after just being sick, like it's hard to explain sometimes because I ended up being diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is like an an inflammatory bowel disorder. But Mm -hmm. my symptoms were very much like I would just have random fevers and I just wouldn't feel good. And I just knew that something was wrong, but I couldn't like pinpoint it. Like my body hurt. I just was, I just didn't feel good. That was just what I kept telling people. And so a lot of people thought it was just in my head that I was, you know, not making it up, but that maybe I was kind of making it up in my head. And so um, finally went to a doctor that did a scope, diagnosed me with Crohn's disease And just kind of as a side note, I have a blood condition as well. And so this kind this is what made it really hard to diagnose me because I was actually losing a lot of blood, which meant I had low iron. And so I was, that's why I was so tired. And that's why I didn't feel good all the time. But this blood disorder makes it look like I already have low iron. And so they were like, Oh, you don't have low iron. You just have this blood condition that kind of makes it seem like you do. And so I finally got like a full iron panel and my iron was extremely low and it really was low because I was losing so much blood. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I went misdiagnosed for so long um, because like the symptoms just weren't pointing towards Crohn's disease. Finally, my stomach did start hurting really bad. And that's kind of why we went to a GI doctor. My mom actually has Crohn's disease. So once I went to a GI doctor, that's kind of the direction that they went in. But, you know, at first they thought, oh, it's just mono. You're just, you just have mono. That's why your stomach hurts. And that's why you're so tired and tested negative for mono like six or seven times my senior year. And, and so just didn't feel good. Finally, in April of my senior year, got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And my mom has kind of a unique story where 
she actually hasn't had many issues and she got diagnosed later in life and had surgery, went on an oral medication and has been totally fine ever since. And so that's kind of what we wanted to do with me, like put me on that same medicine, even though my doctor suggested a stronger medicine. He said mine was a little bit more severe than my mom's was, and I didn't have surgery immediately. But these medicines are called biologics and they are really strong and like they're hard on your body. And I was 18 years old and my parents were like, we just don't, we just don't think that you should go on this. And I didn't think I, I didn't really want to go on it either. And so went on an oral medicine. And so that was in April of 2015. Mm -hmm. And then by the summer, I was just like in excruciating pain. Like anytime it, it at first was just when I would eat. And so when I would eat, my stomach would just tense up and like we called them spasms because it just felt like it tightened really bad. And then finally, it was just like pretty much all the time. And I would go to like clear liquid diets and really nothing helped much. Um, I survived on for like nine months on rice and mashed potatoes. That was it. That was all I could eat. Sometimes mm -hmm. like popsicles. But other than that, it was like rice and mashed potatoes. And so Finally, I had a bowel blockage that summer. And so right before I started college, my intestines literally swelled shut. And so nothing would pass through. It was very painful. Went to the doctor, they uh, or actually went to the hospital. And so when I was in the ER, they inserted a tube down my nose into my stomach. And that's kind of like drained all the like just bile because I really hadn't eaten much at that point anyways, but yeah. um, ended up being in the hospital for like six days and then went home, felt a little bit better, but was on prednisone. And so prednisone is like a pretty intense steroid. You don't want to be on it long term, um, especially if you're 18. I mean, like older people, you know, can sometimes be on it for the rest of their lives, but I was 18. And so we knew that I needed to taper off. And so I started college. And then as soon as I tapered off the steroid, it happened again. I, my um, intestines swelled shut, went to the hospital, tube down my nose, six day hospital stay. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when we realized it was a lot worse than we had thought and that my body was dependent on the steroids to heal. And so I started the biologic, the crazy like medicine, um, it's called Remicade. And so it's an infusion. So I started that and it helped a little bit, but I still couldn't really eat anything. And so then flash forward a couple months later, it's January of my um, freshman year of college. So started the spring semester and ended up going to the hospital two days in because my stomach was hurting so bad. Um, and so I get to the hospital and they tell me that I'm probably gonna have to have surgery. So they oh, transport me to Vanderbilt Hospital, which is in Nashville, Tennessee. And that's where my specialist was. And so I stayed a few, I think it was like nine days just so that they could like calm everything down. And the plan was for me to go home mm -hmm. and then come back a couple months later after taking a lot of steroids and a lot of antibiotics and have surgery then so that like they could make sure that the part they cut out was as small as it could possibly be. And so I had a setback in the hospital. We're still not really sure what happened, but they realized that I needed surgery like now that I couldn't leave the hospital. So had surgery. They told me beforehand that I would have to have a temporary ileostomy bag because my body had been so dependent on the steroids. What so, is an ileostomy bag? Is that food? So, Sorry, what'd you say? What is a ileostomy bag? Is that what it's called? Ileostomy, yeah. Ileostomy? So it's actually 
actually when they make your intestines like come on the outside of your body. And so that's oh. how you use the bathroom is in the bag. It's like a colostomy bag, just in a different area of your intestine. And so yeah. thought that was going to be the worst part because, and I didn't really know anybody who had ever had that, especially somebody my age. Mm-hmm. And so they had said in the beginning that it was going to just be three months, you know? So I'm like, well, that's, I'd already dropped out of school for the semester because I had been in the hospital for a couple of weeks. And so I thought that's fine at this point. I mean, I, there's nothing really I can do about it. Mm-hmm. My body had just become so dependent on the steroid. And so that was like the only way it was going to heal was if I could have that bag and no steroid usage. And mm-hmm. so anyways, thought that was going to be the worst part. Um, got the bag and it was, I mean, it wasn't ideal, but you know, you just have to do what you have to do. So I recovered in the hospital. It was a really tough recovery. I think I was there five or six days after surgery, um, which was typical, but kind of on the longer range because I had lost like 25 pounds. So I'm 5'10 and I got down to like 97 pounds. Like I was just very, very thin. I mean, you could see like all of my bones. And so anyways, left the hospital, came home and then started like having a lot of nausea. And my surgeon was like, you need to go back to the hospital. I don't know like what happened. Your surgery looked fine, but like, we don't need to mess around with this. I I tell everybody if they have like weird symptoms that they need to get back to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so went back to the hospital, they did some scans and said like the surgery site and everything looked fine, but they still didn't know what was going on. And my um, pancreatic enzymes were elevated, which was kind of random and they had no clue why. And so this ER doctor came in and said, I think you have nutcracker syndrome and I've never seen it before. I've just read about it, but I think that's what you have. And so of course, like we had never, obviously we had never heard of it if he had never even seen it. And so they admit me because they're still not really exactly sure what I have. So they admit me and um, they do some more tests and then just really some more research, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure what they were doing, but Mm -hmm. I was there for a couple of days. And finally, one of the nurses said, Uh, or the nurse practitioner said, I think that that is what you have. I think you have um, superior mesenteric artery syndrome. And so basically I had lost so much weight that, um, you know, you don't just lose it visually, like on the outside of your body, you also lose it on the inside of your body. And so there are fatty pads around your body. And so the one around that particular artery had completely disappeared. And so that fatty pad was like holding the artery up. And so the artery closed in on my stomach and wasn't allowing food, drink, nothing to really pass through. And so they did an upper scope and endoscopy to kind of diagnose it. And um, the doctor who did it was a different doctor from the ER doctor. He also had never seen this before, but he was like, I took pictures and I sent them into like medical research because this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Your stomach is only open like 10 or 15%. And so then it kind of became like, well, what do we do? Because the only way to reverse this condition is to gain the weight back, but you can't eat because nothing will go through. And so they were like, well, I guess you can just drink 2000 calories a day. And so I stayed in the hospital. (laughs) How do you do Uh, that? And this is all while you're in college. Like, are you attending classes right now or did you take a semester off? What, what is that looking like? Yeah. So in January of 2016, whenever I went to have surgery, I remember I was sitting in the hospital and my specialist was like, you're going to have to drop out. Like, this is going to be a long road. Obviously she didn't foresee that happening, the secondary situation, but she's like, you need to take this semester off, which up until that point, 
even the semester before my first semester of college, she wanted me to drop out because Mm -hmm. she was like, stress is a huge trigger for most people. It's your first semester of college. Like you need to see the bigger picture and drop out. But I was so type A and a perfectionist. I'm like, I can't drop out. Like none of my friends are dropping out. I can't do that. And so, but yes, I did drop out that second semester because by this point, when that secondary situation was kicking in, it was like middle of February. So I had already been like out of class for like six weeks, but, um, So yeah, they said drink 2000 calories a day and they pretty much just sent me home. So I get home and like, you know, my parents are like, well, here's some milkshakes. Like just, you know, go for it. I was just thinking like protein shakes, smoothies. What else would you do? I mean, I suppose you could blend up like chicken and drink you didn't do that right like no, no. Not. um yeah they my, my dad would just go to like mcdonald's and get like milkshakes every day because he was like okay this one says it's like you know 800 calories but i mean milkshakes are great but not when you have to drink three of them every day and yeah so and zero nutrients was, oh exactly yeah. i know and so um and not to mention i actually now have found out that i have a little bit of a dairy allergy so oh, that well. was definitely not good but um, anyways, that lasted for like two days. I was mm-hmm. home for, I think, two days and it was frustrating. And then I started having a lot of pain. And so typically if your pancreatic enzymes are elevated, you're going to have a lot of pain. And for some reason I didn't when I had first gone to the hospital, but then I started having a lot of pain and they think that it was just, there was just a lot of trauma in there from that artery kind of not collapsing, but like moving in mm-hmm. that that's why they were elevated. But I started having pain and I also just couldn't drink 2000 calories a day. And like, there was just no end in sight and nobody really knew what to do. And so it was very scary. So we went back to the hospital and they admitted me and said, well, we're going to start you on TPN, which is basically like they put a pick line in. So up like your upper arm and it goes, it's like a bigger IV. Mm -hmm. And so it goes like further in and then they hooked up the TPN to it every single night. And so that gave me like 2,500 calories a night. Is it like a bag of white liquid? Is that what it looks um, like? I think it was more like yellow, but yeah, yeah, it was a big, big bag of liquid. Yeah. Yeah. My, Um, my grandma had uh, pancreatic cancer and earlier this year she stayed home and we, we did her pick line to the to the food bag and I remember she started gaining weight and looking healthier and it was all from the food from that bag I don't know that just gave me like a little flashback but um that's what you were going through which is wild because she was 85 you are at this time how old 18 at this point I turned 19 right when I got home from the hospital so yeah I was 18 wow um but yeah it was weird I mean honestly don't really know why we didn't start with that you know but again like that syndrome had never really like my doctors didn't know what to do and it was just it was a very like confusing time for them I know and you know and and for us even more but so I stayed in the hospital for a bit because they needed to make sure it wasn't like messing with my blood sugar and so they had to like you know test it every like three or four hours and they just really wanted me under observation because they just weren't sure and the only way like you don't know when this condition reverses itself because you don't I mean you just have no idea and so finally I graduated to clear or to full liquids instead of clear liquids Mm -hmm. so I could eat like yogurt and like cream of wheat and things like that so I would eat like pretty much the same roundup like ice cream yogurt cream of wheat like some different like liquids at every meal and I started gaining like a pound a day of weight and so again like we had no clue when this was going to reverse itself so they sent me home on the pick line 
and my mom would mix the bag of, you know, food Mm -hmm. every night. And so I did that at home, which was really difficult, um, just because like I was home, but I was still hooked to an IV pole and it was just hard. But What, what were you doing all day while you were home? You know, that's a good question because I, like, I look back and I think a lot of this, a lot of just the day to day, I've probably kind of blocked from my memory just because all of my friends were in college. Like they were having fun, you know, they were hanging out with each other and I was at home hooked to an IV pole. So it's like really, it was a difficult time, but, um, I, you know, day to day, I remember we would, so it it took 12 hours for the food to like go in the Mm -hmm. pick line. And so, you know, typically at the hospital, they would put it on at like eight o'clock. And so it would be while I was sleeping. It's really hard to sleep when you're attached to an IV pole. And so especially when I was like at my house, I mean, I couldn't roll over. So it was really difficult. And um, I remember finally me and my mom had this broad idea of like, well, we're not doing much throughout the day. So why don't we just start it during the day? Like, it doesn't really matter when I take it. And so we started it usually like at four o'clock in the afternoon. So my younger sister would come home from school. We would like kind of camp out in front of the TV, watch TV, and then I would go to sleep and it would end sometime around three or four in the morning. We would take it off like or unattach like the IV pole and then I would be able to sleep from like, you know, four to 10 in the, yeah. in the morning. So, you know, day to day, I mean, I tried to get out, like my mom tried to take me on rides. She stays at home, which is great because I don't know how yeah. I would have functioned without that. but. Yeah, I don't really remember what we did day to day. I mean, for a long time, because I was on the pick line um, or I had the pick line in me for like five weeks, I think, at home. So it was like a long time. And finally, they said, "Okay, you can try to eat something, you know, other than liquids. So I tried to eat something and it was fine. They were like, if you throw it up, then the condition's not reversed itself. But if it goes down and you have no nausea or pain, then you should be fine. And so I didn't throw up, I didn't get sick. And so they just assumed the condition reversed itself. They took the pick line out and that was probably in May, I think. It was around Mother's Day, I remember. So yeah, probably May. Mm -hmm. And so then I still had this ostomy bag and um, they had said, you know, three months. Well, it had already been more than three months, but just because of all the setbacks and stuff, they really just didn't want to like mess with it because they wanted to make sure I was fully healed. So finally in, at the end of July, I got the ostomy bag reversed. So it was another like very complicated surgery because I had so much scar tissue. Typically they can just do it laparoscopically, mm-hmm. but I had too much scar tissue. So they had to make like the same, they just cut on my, the same incision, but it's like a seven inch incision. So it's a lot of like healing time. So I had just another incision and but I I recovered a lot quicker this time and I think it was just because I was in a better headspace and I just felt better so I had that reversed and then I started college in August so that was July and I started my sophomore year in August and what were you majoring in like what was that transition like were you in total shock like had to make all new friends I feel like socially that could be really scary yeah so even though I had gone my first semester my freshman year I was so sick that I really didn't do anything, you know, like I was like in, I mean, I would go to class and I went to college 30 minutes from my hometown. So I came home a lot, even though I had a dorm on campus, like I was like, well, I don't feel good and I can't eat Mm -hmm. and my mom can make me rice and I'm going to come home and stay at home. And so I really didn't do much my freshman year um, at all, even when I was in school. 
And so sophomore year was, it was just weird because that's not really a conversation starter. Like, oh, look at what just happened to me last year, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I definitely found it hard to connect with people my own age just because nobody had really been through anything like that. And so it was definitely hard. I was lucky that I had one friend that I had, uh, we went to, we didn't go to high school together, but we were friends in high school and mm. she introduced me to all of her friends that she had made. And so that was like so helpful. So I kind of had a, like immediate friends or was in like a friend group which was great and then my friends from high school like we still kept in touch all the time so friend wise I mean I was fine but it was just it was a really weird transition and I felt behind which is yeah. like the worst feeling in the world because I mean I a lot of my friends had already picked majors and had already had like another semester of class and I was like I'm doing everything I can to graduate on time which now looking back like it really doesn't even matter but yeah. um I was like I have to go all in, take summer classes, catch up from that semester that I missed. And, you know, I need to quickly pick a major because all of my friends had picked their majors. And so I can't remember when I picked it. I think I did like my second semester of sophomore year, mm -hmm. um, started majoring in accounting. And so I majored like in business and accounting. Did you go into school undecided? Yeah, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do at all. Like, I, I truly had no idea. And um, yeah. the college I went to actually didn't have a ton of majors. It was just like a small Christian liberal arts school. And mm -hmm. so it didn't have a ton of majors, which kind of stunted me, I feel like, because there wasn't really, there were just kind of the basic majors that you could do. Yeah. And so I wasn't really sure. My dad's a lawyer. And so I'd always thought, well, I'll just be a lawyer. But then I realized that probably wasn't for me. And they didn't really have a strong, they had a pre-law program, but like they encourage you if you want to go to law school to major in something else other than pre-law, because then if you decide you don't yeah. like pre-law, then it's like, well, you just majored in pre-law and now like you have to do this. And so um, I kind of thought, well, maybe business, I don't know, you know, like I, that seems broad. Mm -hmm. I, knew, I knew I didn't want to be a teacher which is kind of funny now because I coach people and teach people all the time. Yeah. But I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. And so I felt like I'm just in the next option would just be business. And my dad was like, well, you should just check out accounting because it'll kind of like make you a little bit more valuable to an employer, you know, if you do accounting rather than just regular business. And so that's kind of how I picked it. Yeah, I actually ended up switching my major like five times and I ended up in business too. Um, not accounting though. So you went into, I'm in marketing and finance, which I actually find valuable, like even with coaching because you have to set up a business and I'm sure you find that some stuff that you learn from accounting, you probably still use maybe in your business. But did you end up graduating with that major or did you switch? Yeah, so I did graduate majoring in accounting and uh -huh. so... Then the question became like, what do I do now? And yeah, I'm so, in that role now because I'm about to yeah. graduate May 22nd, freaking out. Yeah, no, it's so stressful. I mean, like, and, and some people have it, you know, some of my friends were like, oh, I know exactly what I want to do now yeah. after school. And I'm like, well, I'm not in that same boat. And I never could see myself like in accounting. Like I never could see myself in public accounting or auditing or whatever. Like I just, I never could see that for mm -hmm. me. And so it was really hard to like imagine yourself doing something. And so I graduated and thankfully my senior year, I decided to go back and get my MBA instead of my master's in accounting because mm -hmm. master's in accounting is perfect if you know you want to be in accounting. But like, I didn't know that. And so 
I kind of thought, well, I'll just do the master's in accounting and that'll make me like it, you know, but then I was like, no, I think that an an MBA would be so much more valuable for what I'm wanting to do. It just really depends like what you want to do. And so I graduated and got a job in public accounting, was going to school. So the job was only part-time and then thought, well, I guess I'll study for the CPA exam, which is ridiculously Hard. hard. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And Um, I couldn't, I realized it very quickly. I could not work and go to school and study for the CPA exam at the same time. And so I stopped studying for the CPA exam. And then, so I graduated in 2019, in May of 2019, and then COVID hit in March of 2020. And so Mm -hmm. I had worked like 10 months or whatever. And so then COVID hit, well, the medicine that I'm on suppresses my immune system. So I was like at risk when COVID hit, you know, and so my doctor was like, you should stay home. Like, we have no idea what this does to people, especially people who are on an immunosuppressant drug. And so you need to try to stay home. And like the firm that I worked at was really small. And so they didn't really have the capacity to like let you work from home at that Mm -hmm. point. And so, and I mean, and it wasn't that I didn't like the firm that I was at. I just didn't love what I was doing. And so it was really a great opportunity for me. So I came home, I was still in school. still getting my MBA. And then that's actually when I started at nutrition school. So I had been researching nutrition schools, was not quite sure. I knew I didn't want to go back and get another degree. And I Mm. am a firm believer that you really don't need another degree in order to, you know, have a coaching business or do, you know, either like personal training or whatever. You just need like some sort of certification that, you know, helps you in whatever you're wanting to do. And so the Institute for Integrative Nutrition I had seen where some people were going. I had talked to some students and I was like, I really, this seems like exactly what I want to do. And it wasn't even that I wanted to have a business at that point, but it was just the holistic way of life was really interesting to me and very intriguing. And when I was sick, I had kind of dabbled in some holistic stuff. And so I really only did it to heal myself. That was like what I was wanting to do. And I thought, well, I'll just do it. I won't have much free time, but I'll just do it while I'm working. But then I quit my job because COVID hit and I started nutrition school like the day that the country shut down. So it was kind of crazy timing. Yeah, that is insane. So at this point, are you like still living off of rice and mashed potatoes? Are you back to normal eating? Like, do you feel good and energized at this point, even on that medication? Yeah. So whenever I had surgery in 2016, I was technically in surgical remission, Mm -hmm. which didn't really last very long. Um, I don't know exactly how long it lasted. It definitely, I had a scope right before they reversed the ostomy bag. So like in July and I was still in remission, Mm -hmm. but you know, probably less than a year later, I came out of remission and I would have flare ups. Nothing as bad as like, you know, rice and mashed potatoes, you know, um, and it would usually just last a couple of days or maybe even just one day. Um, my senior year, I remember I had a flare that lasted a whole week where I just didn't feel good. Like you just want to stay in bed all day. Your stomach hurts. You just don't feel good. And so there have been times where I've had to kind of modify my diet to go back to like a low residue diet where, yeah. you know, rice, mashed potatoes, things that are just easier on your stomach. But no, I pretty much, you know, ate what I wanted. I didn't, I was always told that your, the food you ate had nothing to do with your condition, which Um, I've found is not true at all. Um, (laughs) you know, having a healthy gut is so important and that, you know, that can't be done if you're eating only processed foods or foods that, you know, that are like eating out all the time, eating from, you know, fast food restaurants and stuff. 
which I mean, I was in college, so I was eating a lot of fast food. I didn't cook. I hated to cook in college, which is so interesting because now that's what I do as my job. But yeah, so I was always told like, it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, I was given a list of food and it's like, just avoid like seeds and nuts and things that like could be hard on your stomach. And now I'm seeing like, the body needs seeds and nuts. And yes, it may be harder on your stomach, but you can put them in a smoothie. You know, you can do different things with them to still get the nu- the nutrients. And so, yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy to figure out. And that was sort of part of nutrition school. Like when I figured out, okay, this, these foods that I've not really been scared to eat, but like, I've always been told like, don't eat a lot of roughage, but like, that's good. Fiber is really good for your gut. And mm-hmm. so it was kind of mind blowing to see that they're not only are just different theories and different, you know, information out there, but I was able to kind of take the the things I learned in nutrition school and implement them in my own life. And so then within three months of being in nutrition school, I had a scan and I was in remission. They didn't see any sign of active Crohn's, which was crazy. Oh, so you almost reversed it by changing your diet. Yeah. Yeah. Diet and lifestyle. Lifestyle is a big one that people don't really talk because you can't just do things to your diet. Like yeah. it you know, if you have a lot of stress in your life, like you're not going to be a healthy person, like you're going to have issues. And so, you know, whenever I quit that job, that just wasn't really like what I wanted to do. I think a lot of stress lifted and I was doing this new school program that I love that was so exciting. And so I think it was diet, lifestyle, like mindset, just all kind of all of the above, you know, I just, I changed a lot because I had time to change a lot because the pandemic had just hit and everybody was at home. So it really was perfect timing. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like a lot of people either took advantage of the pandemic or like let themselves kind of go into a hole. And it sounds like you really took advantage of that opportunity. So once you got certified in the nutrition or is that a degree certified can you walk us through like where your mindset went from you know just wanting to cure yourself to wanting to help others and what that journey followed after quarantine and then I also want to ask about um gut health after like your tips about gut health so don't let me forget about that (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So whenever I went into remission, like on my own kind of, which had never happened before I was, and I'm, I'm still on the medicine, you know, so it's, I'm a big believer in like medicine and lifestyle. Like I think it can work in tandem. And so, um, but whenever that happened, I had like just a lot of people reach out and say like, how did you do this? You know, because autoimmune diseases are on the rise and, you know, a lot of people have them. My, actually my college roommate got diagnosed with Crohn's disease the other, like last year, I think, which was kind of random that we lived together and both have it. But, um, yeah, so I, I just kind of knew at that point I needed to do something to like help other people, even if it was just on the side, or even if I just thought, well, I may have a blog where I post like tips, like, I don't know, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so the program, the nutrition school program is a year long. So I started in March of 2020 and then graduated in April of 2021. So it's not even, well, I guess it's been a year. I graduated a year ago. Yeah. And so around that time, like, I was like, okay, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to coach. I got it. I just, I wasn't really sure. And, um, I knew I wanted to do something with it. Cause I really didn't want to go back to accounting. It just wasn't like, just not really what I wanted to do, especially now that I felt like I had this like passion and purpose in something else, but I just mm-hmm. wasn't sure what to do with it. And so, you know, I really think that if people are in that same boat of like not knowing, just like try different things, you know? And so that's yeah. kind of what I did. 
because again, I wasn't sure if I wanted to coach, but I started like doing meal plans for people and like just talking with them one-on-one. A lot of people, it was really word of mouth at first, um, like people in my town, like I would just do meal plans for them. And then it became recipe development. So I had created this spring meal plan that I was like, oh, I'll just sell this. And like, I think five people bought it. Like it was not a success at all, but I had sent it to a few people. And um, one of the girls, emailed me back and was like, Hey, um, would you want to create recipes for my fitness app? And I mean, I had no idea that people Mm -hmm. even wanted that, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, sure. So then I just started like getting more and more clients and developing, you know, recipes for their apps or like if they had a, you know, a fitness challenge, like I would maybe make a a bunch of recipes for them to put into a guide. And so that's kind of how it, it started. And then, you know, I still do take on Um, health coaching clients, which a lot of that information is on my website, um, if people are interested, but, and it's not just people with Crohn's disease, a lot of people need health coaching, and especially the holistic way, because it's just looking at, you know, the entire person and not just a few parts of the person, because a lot of people maybe just focus on food, when in reality, they need to focus on a lot of other stuff. Definitely, even with my coaching, I feel like that's such a, a important role because I need to help them find a morning routine, a night routine, because if they're just changing their workouts and their nutrition and their whole life is a mess outside of it, it's like your body's not going to respond because of those out of control cortisol levels. So can you walk us through a day of eating that's like approved by a holistic health coach, I suppose, like a, an ideal full day of eating. And you can get super granular here, um, for selfish reasons as well. Like, I'm just curious. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So I'll just kind of take you through what I do, which again, it's kind of, you know, knowing what I know from nutrition school, we talk a lot about bio-individuality, which is, you know, knowing that not no two people are going to be the same, even mm-hmm. if like I have Crohn's disease and somebody else has Crohn's disease, our treatment methods are going to be different. Our food is going to be different, which is actually a, an important piece that's missing a lot in like doctor's offices because they will give you like a list of foods you should avoid or foods yeah. that you should be able to eat. But a lot of times some of those don't work for people because we're just all so different. And so, I usually wake up and I would say that hot lemon water is really good to drink first thing. Um, It just helps with digestion. I don't do it every morning. I should, Mm -hmm. but I don't. Mm -hmm. But hot lemon water, just like heat up water and then squeeze some lemon in it. And it's really great for your digestion and just your overall gut health. But if you don't want to do the hot lemon water, just drinking water first thing is really good. It sleep dehydrates you. And so yeah. like drinking water first thing is is really important. And so I usually just fill up like a big Yeti full of water, um, probably like 32 ounces. And I just keep it by my bed. So I do that at night. And then when I wake up and I do like my devotion and like kind of wake up for the morning, I'm like just sipping on that water. I don't chug it or anything. I, <laughs> I pulled out my hydro jug because I do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's so important, like people, if you, if you get it ready and you keep it beside you, you're going to be so much more likely to drink it rather than just like think, oh, I'm going to go get me a sip of water. Like just keep it beside you. You're going to feel more likely to drink it. And so after the water, I usually have cold brew. So cold brew is like 70% less acidic than regular coffee because of like the way it's brewed. And so since my stomach is kind of sensitive, 
um, it can be a really good idea to do cold brew rather than just regular coffee. And I sometimes do a mixture of both. Like I'll, you know, some days have regular coffee, especially because I do like warm coffee sometimes, which I think you can actually get like cold brew grounds. And so you could like brew it hot, but I just get Stoke coffee. So it's like S-T-O-K and it's in the refrigerated section and it's really good. So I use that too. Really? Yeah. I love it. What do you, what do you put in it? I want minuscule details. Yeah. So I actually do, um, I think it's like a caramel macchiato creamer, but I don't, I like the taste of coffee. Like I genuinely do like it. And so I don't really put a lot of anything in it. That's why I don't, I don't get too concerned with like the brands and things. I think the one that I use is literally like Starbucks brand. So it's probably not that healthy, but I don't get just because I use a little bit of it and it makes me happy. So like, it's Mm -hmm. far better to enjoy the food that you're eating, even if it's like deemed unhealthy or doesn't have healthy ingredients, it's better to just enjoy it than to like deprive yourself or to be hard on yourself about enjoying something. So that's kind of like the philosophy that I try to live by. But yeah, so I put like caramel macchiato creamer, but just a little bit. I just, I really like the taste of the coffee. I used to do this Stoke has like different like flavors or whatever, like sweet, not sweet used to do like the not too sweet one and then I tried the completely unsweetened one and I just like it just as good so that's what I do now and then as far as breakfast goes usually it's around 10 o'clock which I have the luxury of working from home so I can kind of have breakfast whenever I feel like it and I think it's like just important to listen to your body some people you know intermittent fasting has been a big you know, fad that people, you know, like or dislike and it's not bad. It's not good. I mean, it just, it was totally dependent on the person. I have friends that do it and I absolutely love it. And they seem to feel fine on it. I actually did it for a little while, but then I realized that I was getting hungry around 10, 10 30. And so I was like starving for an hour and a half before I would allow myself to eat. And so then I realized like, well, maybe I should just eat when I'm hungry and maybe (laughs) that will help me. So like, if you're really hungry, you should probably eat. Like you probably are really hungry. So, um, sometimes I'll have like avocado toast. So just like mash up the avocado with a little bit of red onion and lemon juice and put it on the toast and, Sometimes I'll, in the summer, especially, I love when like vegetables are in season because it just yeah. makes it so much easier, but I'll like fry up or not fry up, but like saute up a zucchini with some onions and have that, some fruit, you know, really just making sure you focus on like plants. And yeah. so like having more of just a plant centric diet, because that is, you'd ask me about gut health and you're you actually have like a microbiome in your gut that has actual like microbes, like living organisms, and they thrive on plants. Like that's how they grow. That's how they, that's how they live. And so making sure you're kind of like having a diverse diet in plants is really important. And so, you know, a lot of times it's so hard to say like what I actually eat in a day, just because it does change. And I try to listen to my body. And so that's what I tell, you know, my clients, it's like some days you may only want like one piece of avocado toast and that's totally fine. But then other days you might want two, and you also might want some fruit. And so you just kind of have to like listen to your body. And then for lunch, I like quick meals. I'm not a huge, I mean, meal prepping is so valuable for a lot of people, but for me, I just don't, love leftovers. And so I don't meal prep personally a lot, but you know, I I love like a Mexican dish. So like, you know, putting like rice and beans and, you know, salsa and guacamole and things like that together. And it's so easy just for like a quick lunch and then dinner. I mean, honestly, I have a lot of recipes like go-tos on my website that I use a lot of. Um, 
I like to try, you know, it's, it's just a good idea to have a protein and, you know, at every meal or try to have some sort of protein at yeah. most meals. Um, you know, there's, there are people that don't thrive on meat. I'm kind of one of those people. I like meat. I'm not, I'm definitely not vegan, but I don't have to have meat at every meal. And so it's just like making sure you're listening to your body and like knowing that just because your mom does really well with like a lot of ground beef in her diet doesn't mean that you are going to. And so like mm. if your stomach hurts or if you feel bad, there's likely a reason for that. Like you don't just feel bad randomly, you know, so it could be something that you're eating. Definitely. I found that with myself with dairy the past few weeks. I t- I've taken yogurt. Um, I used to have this. It was a good Greek yogurt. It was the Faye one, zero percent. Um, which is a high quality yogurt, but I've stopped eating it. And I found that my bloating has gone down a lot. And obviously I had that whole skin thing happen last week, but even this week, my skin is a lot better. I feel less lethargic at the end of the day. It's just little things that are adding because I've been dairy free for now a week and a half, I believe. Um, And yeah, before that though, my doctor, I wanted to ask you about this. She put me on the brat diet when I was on the stomach bug. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. do you think that's like, I mean, honestly, it, it worked. I don't know if it worked because the stomach bug was like slowly fading. But do you think that was that's like a part of the whole doctors give a one size fits all for, you know, like here, this will help you? Yeah, I mean, I think for like acute things like a stomach bug. Yeah the brat diet probably would be totally fine to follow. Mm-hmm. I, my sister was on that when she had the stomach bug a few oh, okay. weeks ago. And honestly, the brat diet, from what I know about it, it's mm-hmm. really just to help your stomach. I mean, if you're going to be throwing up everything, yeah. like it really doesn't matter what you eat because you're yeah. going to be throwing it up anyways. But a lot of people will find it soothing, you know, and I mean, even like you know, sometimes when my stomach is hurting, sometimes an apple is, it feels good on it, you know, Mm. or like applesauce or something that's just easy. So really, I think it's just more so easy foods. I feel like the brat diet is like, I feel like the acronym is really just kind of like, it could be more broad than that. Like you probably could have had like mashed potatoes, things like that, you know, that are just easy on your stomach. But going back to what you said about your dairy, um, kind of like your dairy allergy or like a little bit of one, um, I was reading a book one time, um, Drew Brees, you know, he's the NFL quarterback, and he was talking in his book about how when he first started at the NFL or in the NFL, they made him do some like food allergy testing. And so, you know, I look at like NFL athletes and really just any athlete as being like they're operating at peak performance, you know, like they are doing everything because I mean, they're, that's how they make money. They have to be healthy. And Mm so he realized that he was allergic to like random things. I can't remember like specifically, but they were things that he was eating every day that he didn't necessarily like throw up when he would eat it. But, you know, you have no idea what effect it's having on the inside of your body or even just like, you know, you don't really know how bad you feel until you feel good. And so, like you said, when you, you stopped feeling lethargic. And so a lot of people can't, could be allergic to, to foods that they don't even know that they're allergic to. So it's pretty interesting. Definitely. I have you ever seen Game Changers on Netflix? No, I haven't. No, it's it's about athletes like Olympians, athletes that all Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it too, all um, vegans, and they kind of discuss their journey on veganism and how it like helps them operate. I don't know. It's insane. I recommend everyone watching it. When I saw it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be vegan. But I know for myself, it's important for me. 
because I have an eating disorder past not to label my diet. Like even with this dairy-free thing going on right now, I am not like when I'm home, I'll buy the alternatives because to me, they I found ones that taste good. People recommended things. But if I'm out and someone wants to get ice cream, I can't like just because of the past. I mean, if they have a vegan option, sure, I'll try it if I want to. But if I want regular ice cream, I'm going to have regular ice cream. And it sounds like you're kind of the same. You don't really have restriction labels, but you try to eat whole food based. Right, exactly. And whenever I started at nutrition school, I kind of like made it in my I was like, I think I'm gonna cut out sugar completely like white sugar, not, you know, not sweet things, but just white sugar, which you know, I realized cutting things out, it's just so hard to go. And I think women struggle with it, especially with just like that cold turkey mentality of like, well, I can't eat that. And then like, it can really ruin your day. Like, if, yeah. like you said, if you're with your friends and they're all ordering ice cream and like, you're like, well, I can't eat that, you know, so I'm not going to, I mean, obviously if you have like a real bad allergy to it, then, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the only uh, time that I tell my clients they should ever restrict anything is if they have like an actual terrible like allergy you know yeah. even with gluten it's so like you know it's a fad now almost to go gluten-free but a lot of people don't need to go gluten-free you know like mm-hmm. they, they just don't and so if you unless you have like a gluten intolerance there's really no reason to go gluten-free and so that's kind of how I saw it with sugar it helped me immensely to cook at home with other alternatives and to not eat processed foods But when I'm out and about with my friends, I'm not looking at the menu thinking, oh, man, that has sugar in it. I can't eat that. You know, I just try to make like healthier decisions when I can when I'm at home, but I'm not going to let like restrict my my day to day life in any way. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so can you explain a little bit um, like what you do with your clients on a day to day basis and what that process looks like? Um, Yeah, kind of like what your day to day is now, because you've built a business for yourself. And I think that's really awesome that you've found your passion and you went through with it. And yeah, can you explain that? Yeah, sure. So um, you can find more about this like on my website, but I take on clients and it's usually a three month program. I'm kind of to the point where I'm pretty flexible with the time period. So if clients want to work longer or shorter, you know, I'm fine with that too. But three months is usually a really good time period of being able to coach them and teach them, but also like letting them kind of figure it out on their own after that. And so Mm -hmm. it's a three month program and it's really just, you know, it's one-on-one coaching. So it's a lot of accountability. And so we do either a 30 minute meeting every week or a, an hour biweekly, whichever fits into their schedule. I'm like, again, I'm pretty flexible with that. And so we talk about food, we talk about, primary food, which would be the things that are contributing to your overall health, but are not on your plate. So things like your relationships and your career and and stuff like that. So we focus a lot on things that aren't on your plate. So, you know, um, we do an activity called the circle of life where you have to, you know, figure out what areas of your life aren't really balanced, um, you know, because it really is all about balancing out, you know, if you're stressed at work or if you're in a, you know, not even a toxic relationship, but if you just have like that nagging relationship, it could even be with a friend or whatever, Mm -hmm. where it's kind of just like, that's all you think about. There's just no way that you will be healthy. And so we just talk about a lot of stuff like that. It's again, it's accountability. So it's like a one-on-one program and yeah, we have a lot of fun. It's, you know, it's fun to get to talk to women and hear women and, and just hear their stories. So it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Okay. And what is your website? It's laurencunningham.co. 
Lauren Cunningham. We'll put it on um, the post for everyone to see it. Okay, guys, this week's question of the week is what is your night routine? So I'm going to let Lauren go first. So can you walk us through what a typical or ideal night routine looks like? And then I can go. Okay. So I am a, I shower at night. I just always have. So I usually take a shower probably, you know, if I'm at home, then maybe around seven or eight o'clock. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like an early to bed person, but I'm definitely not a late to bed person. I'm kind of like in the middle. And so, you know, I like to relax. I like my leisure time. So I like to watch TV. So I'll, you know, watch a show, Mm -hmm. maybe one and a half shows, whatever. And then I've been really into reading lately. So I've been like flying through books because I've made it a point to read for, you know, 30 minutes every night. And I think it's actually been really great for my sleep because if I'm not reading, I'm either watching TV or I'm on my phone, which isn't good. And I know it's not good to like look at your phone right before bed. So I like to read for about 30 minutes before I turn off my light and then I go to sleep usually around 11 o'clock. So yeah, I don't really have like a very strict nighttime routine. I wish I could say that I journal every night and I meditate, (laughs) but I really just shower, watch a show and then read and then go to bed. Yeah. Do you have any book recommendations? Like what kind of books are you into? I really like book club fiction, just like, yeah. you know, things that you could find on like Reese Witherspoon's book club. Um, I'm, I love um, Ellen Hildebrand. She writes books based in Nantucket and they're just so good. I've never had a bad book by her and I've read almost all of her books. What is her name again? Ellen Hildebrand. Okay. I'm writing that down. I'm a big book person this year too. Yeah. I, yeah. It's spelled E-L-I-N. So, but I think it's pronounced Ellen. E-L-I-N. Okay, awesome. Have you ever read the Colleen Hoover books? No. Oh, no, but I have one. Um, I have, I can't remember what it's called, but I have one and my older sister recommends them. She loves like thrillers kind of, so she loves those. Amazing. I love them too. Yeah, definitely look into it. I need to put that on my list next. I have, I have it, I think it's downstairs um, in the living room, but I need to, I need to read the one that I have. You should read, uh, It Ends With Us. That's the one I have, I think. Yeah. Yeah, That's the one I have. Somebody gave it. I can't remember how I got that one because I didn't buy it, but somebody, I think somebody gave it to me. So I need to read that. Yeah. That's a really good one. Okay. My night routine is, it's pretty regimented, but it's not perfect. Like I think in an ideal world, if I'm living by myself in an apartment and I just could have a bath at night, that would be awesome and read my book in my bath. So that's like my fantasy. But right now what it looks like is I have dinner super early. I have dinner at like 4.45, 5 o'clock. So by the time it hits 7, 8, I'm typically hungry for a little dessert. So I will sit in bed make cream of rice and some peanut butter. I will watch an one episode. I let myself watch one episode of a reality TV show because that is the love of my life, like Kardashians. Yeah, I Love Island. Reality TV, yeah. I need the drama because my life doesn't really have drama in it because I'm in my room all day, like doing schoolwork and stuff. So I just love other people's drama. I'll watch one episode and then it's like 7.30, 7.45 and I will do my skincare routine, brush my teeth. Um, sometimes I take these little CBD gummies and it helps me wind down too because I find that at night my brain just keeps running and it's like I just need something to help settle it. I've also been liking the uh, mushroom 
Hot Chocolate by Four Sigmatic. Have you ever heard of that brand? No, but I need to try it. I would, I think you would like it. It's really good. Um, put a little stevia in it because it's a little bitter because it's cacao instead of just regular chocolate. Um, but yeah, I'll relax with some sort of tea or beverage or a gummy. And then I will read if it's an ideal night. And then I would be lying if I didn't say I put my book away and then I answer DMs for probably half an hour in my bed before. And then I usually go to bed and I'm sleeping typically by 10 because I do wake up at five and I try to get like a good eight hours in. Um, But that is the ideal routine. Obviously, that doesn't happen every single night. But yeah, that is my night routine. We are getting into our two favorites of the week. So this can be literally anything, Lauren, like anything you are absolutely loving, clothing, food, uh, a workout, a podcast, a song, anything. So you can go first and then I'll go. Okay. So as we kind of said earlier, I like reality TV too, and I love Bravo reality TV. And so Summer House is just the best show ever. So I'm really loving Summer House. And then... This is very random, but last week I was at the store and I sometimes don't go to the store. Sometimes my mom will just pick up whatever I need. And so, but I was at the store, was walking through the freezer aisle and I saw where Rouse, which I don't know if you've heard of Rouse, but it's like this pasta sauce, R-A-O. Yeah. And so anyways, I had no idea that they made freezer meals. I knew that they made like, you know, pasta sauce and soups and stuff. And everything I've tried has just been so good. The ingredients are great. And I saw that they have freezer meals, which I'm all about convenience. You know, like sometimes it's great to sit back and cook for an hour at night, but then other times you need something that's fast and something that's easy. Mm -hmm. And so I tried their chicken parm and their vodka pasta. And I put, I actually did the oven option. So like you put it in the oven, but still it's so easy you can pop it in if you have like a client last minute or if you work from home like mm-hmm. 30 minutes before you finish just pop it in they're so good like I'm not even kidding they were so good I love their tomato basil pasta sauce I always yeah. put it on chickpea pasta <laughs> it's so, so good yeah and their soups are even really good I tried their chicken noodle soup I think is what it was and I mean it literally tasted like I was at a restaurant eating soup it was so good That's awesome. Okay, my two favorites. Okay, one of them is going to be the LifeSum app because I haven't really been tracking my macros lately, but I've been looking for more recipes. But now after we've had this conversation, I'm going to go to your website and look at your recipes. But LifeSum has this section called climatarian meals and I've been trying to really work on my sustainability you know protect the earth and these meals are so cool and it's very innovative like very different kinds of recipes so I've been liking that to just try some new ones especially since um well this is prior to the stomach bug because the past four days I've really just had toast and bananas um but earlier last week I was trying some of those recipes so life some climatarian meals and then Good Molecules is a skincare brand and they have a Herba Mate. Have you ever heard of that? Herba mm-hmm. Mate. It's some sort of tea. They have a tea branded eye cream and I love it. Herba Mate. I don't know. I will post it and tag it on the podcast page. Um, but yeah, those are my favorites of the week. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. I always ask the guests. Um, one last piece of advice that you would give to the audience, like short and sweet, um, just to close off the episode. Yeah, sure. Well, I think that the number one thing I always 
tell people, especially if they're dealing with a health crisis or something just hard, you know, it doesn't have to be a health crisis, is just to find people that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can relate to. It's so important to find some sort of community, not to be too long-winded, but my freshman year when I was so sick, I was put in this freshman class, like all the other freshmen at my college and probably across the United States, you're put in this freshman class. And it just so happened that two girls in my class also had autoimmune diseases, which was crazy. And so we were able to connect over that. And so I think it's just so important to find community and find people that you can relate to. Yeah, I love that. You don't have to go through it alone. Definitely. And then can you just pimp yourself out to the audience as well? Instagram, I know you said your website, but you can repeat it. Yeah, so my website is laurencunningham.co and my Instagram, which is where really the only social media that I have is L-A-U-R underscore Cunningham. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so great to meet with you and talk with you. And I'm so happy that everyone can hear your story. You are truly a trooper. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Of course. 